everybody, with the Consumer Technology Association. I'm Tyler Suters. We are the owners and producers of CES, the most influential tech event on the planet. We are here to help you get CES ready. The show is January 7th through the 10th, 2020 in Las Vegas. And today we're addressing accessibility technology. So we'll start with a pretty basic question for you. How many times have you engaged with technology in, say, the last 12 hours? Your phone, maybe your PC. In any event, imagine trying to do that if you couldn't do something as simple as seeing the screen you're using. Well, that's where accessibility technology comes into play. Today, two really interesting perspectives. First of all, from the AARP. Now, you may think of that as more age-associated, and you're right, but the association takes a very proactive approach in getting us ready to engage with technology when we don't have all the abilities we do say right now. Also, we're getting a first-person perspective on the value of accessibility tech. Someone who is visually impaired and talks about what their day is like, not being able to see the technology that you engage with and yet engaging with technology at every turn. All of that is coming up on this edition of CES Tech Talk. With us in studio today is the Vice President of Corporate Business Development for Vispero, Matt Ader. And Matt, pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we've got you off the road. I know how busy you are. Tell us, uh, Vispero, recently been in the news, um, exciting accessibility news, and something that I think even those... Uh, who are not visually impaired can understand the value of this new technology introducing. Yeah, so we we are one of our product lines is called Jaws for Windows, and it's a screen reader made for people who are blind that want to use a computer. And you can put the software on a any Windows device and access whether it's email, the internet, uh, doing documents, writing resumes, reading papers, whatever it may be. And the thing is that. Today, that's just sitting at home using a computer or taking a tablet on the road. But you could walk into anywhere today and find a kiosk, um, something that has a touchscreen environment, and try to um, participate at that venue, whether it's a grocery store, a shopping mall, a fast food chain, airline, and how does a blind person interact with one of those kiosks? And so today we um, announced a new product called um, JAWS Kiosk, and it allows companies to put the software on the kiosk. You can add any other kind of input device. You know, instead of a touchscreen, you may want to use a keyboard or a uh, headphone jack to plug the headphones in so that a blind person can have privacy. ATMs have had this for a long time. The question is, who else is going to do it to provide access to somebody who's blind and give them equal access? So what a great diving off point for this uh, accessibility sector in general. Um, we say it regularly, the tech is, is changing our lives for the better in a, a myriad of ways, whether that's our health, our security, or something as, as seemingly simple as how we communicate and stay in touch with one another. But there often is a barrier, right? If you're visually impaired, if, if you're hearing impaired, there's something there that that doesn't allow you to take full access of this. And that's where companies like Vispero fill the gap, right? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've created technology that allow people with visual impairments to access um, 
anything on a computer, um, on mobile devices, uh, whether it's your smartphone or tablet. And then we've created devices for people who may have challenges in reading any kind of print material. You know, you get out your newspaper every morning and still read it, um, and you get your mail. I know it's weird that we still say people get mail, but how do people read that mail? How do you read the gift card you or the card you get in the mail from somebody for, for your birthday or Christmas? And, you know, we make devices that allow low vision, you know, people with low vision to be able to read that materials, which is pretty fascinating. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the other thing we do is work with other companies and collaborate with them to help solve accessibility problems. And if you think in the tech world, you know, how do we make – DVR accessible so that a blind person can actually read the cable guide? Or how do we make a television accessible so that a blind person can actually use the controls or turn on um, different features of that television? Mm-hmm. Or in you know the world of, of all the technology that you may see at, at CES, like a, a dishwasher, a washer-dryer, um, even self-driving cars, all this kind of technology could benefit people with disabilities if the access, if they're built with an accessible plan, if somebody's built the technology to work with either other devices that would allow the accessibility or they've partnered with companies to kind of make the accessible experience. So you have your narrative down, which is exactly what I'd expect from someone in corporate business development, right? Exactly. Um, and, and it sounds great and it's compelling, but you have a first-person perspective on this. You are a user of this technology. You understand exactly what this means to the visually impaired community. Yeah, if in, you know, you look at things like kiosks or any other experience that we may go through today just to get to work, right? So this morning before coming over here, I you know, pulled out my smartphone and put in the address using a, an app for you know, calling a ride service, typing in the address, my f- smartphone's talking, submit the address, you know, it then tells me that the driver's six minutes away, tells me he's five minutes away, tells me to check the driver's, you know, car to make sure it's the right one, ask mm-hmm. the driver, all the typical things you would do if that app's accessible. And my fart, uh, smartphone is, um, you know, reading that stuff to me constantly. Then, you know, I get to a metro station. Can I buy a ticket, mm-hmm. you know? I get to work. Can I read the memos that people put on my desk or the memos that I got via email? You know, um, all the kinds of things that, you know, we do every day that most people take for granted. But if you look at all the things you do on the computer today, and you could probably count, you know, and it's going to go over two hands, the total number of things that you interact with on the Internet every month, whether it's paying your bills or ordering your prescriptions or whatever it may be. And are those accessible so that a person who's blind or has another disability could interact with it? Yeah, everything you just listed, Matt, I feel like I've done in the last 24 hours on, on my phone or on my PC or my laptop and haven't thought twice about. Uh, you know, you add in stalking my daughter's social media accounts uh, and, and you got the full suite of my, my last day and a half, really. Um, but, 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 but kidding aside, you're absolutely right um, that you do take it for granted. So with that in mind, what is the one accessibility point that you that, that you find to be either most challenging or a challenge that you've conquered that is most valuable to you? Well, for me, it's, 
you know, I've obviously grown up with this technology and and have a lot of background in it. So for me to conquer something may be different than somebody else. And I worry mm-hmm. more about um, those who, um, you know, can't even apply for a job today because websites may not be accessible or the the platforms that people are building them on aren't accessible. Um, I worry about people just participating in society, whether or not you can go to a store today and you walk up and you want to check out at the counter and all they have is self-checkout and Mm -hmm. a blind person can interact with it, you know, and forget the fact that we've taken away jobs from people to, to put that technology out there, but technology is the wave of the future. But is that technology compliant in a way that allows someone to do it? Um, so I worry about others more than I worry about myself because I've, I've grown up around it and I have a lot of capabilities and, and have some money to buy technology to maybe fix some things. Other people may not be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the other day I want to use my washer and dryer and I had to call up an agent on the phone using an, a smartphone and they used the camera on my phone to read what the setting was on it because my kids changed the setting from, uh, uh, regular wash to like soap, super soak. And it was taking two hours to like just do a load of laundry. And all I wanted to do was do a shirt. Yeah. Right. But there was no simple reset button. Right. I guess I could have unplugged it, but God knows what that would have happened in my house. <laughs> Easy right? now. Easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so I worry about that kind of stuff when it comes to things that I think is, is if we look at, um, tech that people have done that have changed the lives of people, Sometimes we do it for people with disabilities and sometimes we do it for everybody else and it, and it benefits people with disabilities. And so if we look at like closed captioning, mm-hmm. today everybody uses closed captioning whether they think about it or not. You walk into a restaurant or a bar and you see, you know, you look up at the TV and you can watch it today just because it's constantly showing the captioning on the screen. Yeah, That or, was made for somebody else. Yeah, or any video you're watching on, on social or streaming, right, if you're in a public place. Yeah. I'll just read it instead of listen to it. Yeah. Or um, you can't understand it because somebody's mumbling on the, <laughs> on the show and you turn it on, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I think that, that that's really been great. And if you look at other tech that's come out in the last couple of years that are really benefiting people with disabilities, which I love, is, is all of this um, uh, smart home technology, uh, voice, you know, interactions with, sure. you know, whether it's Alexa or Google or or Siri or whoever else, or Microsoft is coming out with these different features. Mm-hmm. That is really just wonderful technology if everybody can start playing with it and tapping into it. So what is your level of excitement for, and I think this technology very much fits into that milieu, self-driving vehicles? I love the concept. Um, I've, I've gotten a ridden, uh, ride in a couple, mm-hmm. and you know, there's some challenges around the tech today in that um, – Think of the kind of, I don't know if I'm the last mile concept. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, right. Where the car drops you off closest to what the car can find. Mm-hmm. But how does it communicate to somebody who's blind and they get out of the car to let them know, hey, I've dropped you off on this corner, not that corner. And so that's the, the, the things that the hurdles that they'll need to solve. Right. But the concept of, of me being able to call up a car and it picked me up. I mean, rideshare has already done a lot of this for us. I mean, the, the fact that I can um, easily call up something that's half the cost of a, of a taxi and, um, to get me somewhere is, is great. And I can see how far it is. You know, I'm not having to call the dispatch and ask how much longer <laughs> is it going to take, right? Sure. And I don't have to exchange money 
and wonder if the money that they're handing me back is this, the right amount. And if you're dropped off at a different corner, someone will say, Mr. Ader, you're here, not what your destination says, right? You're right. another block to go. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so I'm stuck using, and not in a bad way, I'm just going to, you know, again, I have the fortunes to be able to use a smartphone and pull up a, an app and call somebody to help me figure out where I am or use a GPS app to figure out I'm, you know, still a block away from my destination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's the minor thing that, that I think still needs to get resolved. Um, because it's the, these cars can't yet communicate to you about where it physically puts you. Right. But right. from the concept perspective, just that, I, self-driving cars is, I don't know, it's stuff we watched as kids on, in cartoons, <laughs> but now we're going to see someday, which is pretty cool. So scaling back a bit to the more some of the more quotidian options, um, we know you well at the Consumer Technology Association because of your involvement in the CTA Foundation, uh, the mission of connecting... Uh, those with various um, disabilities and seniors with tech in their everyday lives. Um, what does the foundation mean to you, and, and, and what does the mission say to you about where tech is and what it can do? Well, I think that the finding a way to connect tech with these communities and help those tech companies learn about this kind of these communities um, has done a lot to open the eyes of, of the tech community and allow us to be able to help um, people with disabilities or people, um, uh, seniors, be able to get access to technology. And some of the stuff we've done when it comes to helping people learn about tech or use tech in some of these places is just amazing. Mm-hmm. And some of the projects um, in helping these companies get off the ground to, to develop technology is is the way we need to move, you know. We look at all the challenges that people with disabilities have. Some of those are more obvious if you've if you've lived with somebody with a disability or learned about somebody with a disability. Mm-hmm. For somebody, who, when you think about seniors, we all have touched somebody you know in our lives who has who's a senior who has challenges. Whether it's you know remembering where your medicine is or remembering to take your medication mm-hmm. or helping you to be able to you know participate. And some of the technology, when it comes to, you know, video um, uh, streaming, where you can talk to your your family members that are seniors and work with them today, mm-hmm. you know, and you see people doing this in different locations for helping people learn about technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's watching them take another step towards, hey, I can do this. And, you know, it can still apply with people with disabilities as well as we learn to kind of make the tech more accessible. So I think what what the foundation has done to open the eyes for both, you know, the tech community and then find ways to help these different startups and, and um, nonprofits be able to find a good, you know, foothold on different projects to help people with disabilities and, and seniors has been great. So let's talk about a bit of a more tangible aspect of that that community and, and, and granting access. Uh, CES has an entire accessibility marketplace. Vispero is is taking part in, in that and engaging. What's the value you see? You're a CES veteran. Yeah, I mean, you've, you, yeah. you've been there how many times now? Uh, it's about four or five years now. Okay, and so I, what are you looking it. for? So, yeah, what are you looking for in 2020 then along those lines? Well, you know, we'll have some pretty cool new tech, which I love to show off. So we'll have some kiosks set up with different, you know, hardware manufacturers. We're not a manufacturer of kiosks. We're going to put our solutions on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we partner with different, you know, input devices as well as like keypads from um, uh, different companies. And so we'll have those set up in 
in the Vespero booth. And then along with that, we'll have some of our new um, low vision devices so that people can come up and see that technology, Braille devices so they can feel what Braille looks like when it's, mm. you know, as you're typing on a computer and the Braille's refreshing and updating. So we'll have wow. all of that in the booth. And, wow. and, and it really does open the eyes of, of people. And it, I think for us, we're not, um, you know, we're a very small player in the overall, you know, CES world. But what it does is allows people to get a new perspective. Um, I loved watching, you know, people come by and say to us, hey, my parents use that. Or my dad uses your screen reader Jaws. Or huh. one of the CEOs came by and talked to us and says, we have blind employees and we use, our, use your software. Could you help us? You know, so that it's more of an awareness thing for us. Um, and also looking at tech that may be a good fit for us to either buy or participate in and partner with. Mm -hmm. So coming up on roughly five years at CES and you missed some of CES last year. I mean, I know, I know tech I, is, tech is a passion I, I for you, but, up, but, 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 yeah. but passion 1A for Matt Ader is your alma mater, right? And a specific sports program there. Sure. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and last year, CES 2019 yeah, happened yeah. to coincide with a national championship game. Well, and, and it, and, Fortunately or um, unfortunately, it was located very close to Las Vegas. I'm glad that it'll not be that close in the future because it's uh, <laughs> it's. I'd rather be at CES, but when you're an hour and a half flight from Santa Clara, it, you know, it became an option to make a quick trip and come back. Uh huh. And let's leave it without talking about the final score. I yeah. understand, but yeah. uh, I'm sure you're confident the tide will be back in. Yeah, and we'll, have, round, and we'll right? have lots of TVs at CES we can watch the game on. I'm not worried about <laughs> yeah, that. I've heard live simulcast is not a problem for the yeah. National Championship yeah, yeah. Football they, game. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ader is a Vice President of Corporate Business Development with Vispera. Matt, fascinating conversation, and let's keep this going at CES 2020. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Joining us now from AARP is Rick Robinson. He is a Vice President of Product Innovation. Rick, great to have you with us from just across town here in DC. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Um, normally we talk about what you're up to right now, but I want to put that on hold because you have a pretty deep tech background before joining AARP, um, including one of the giants at the time at AOL. So <laughs> how'd you find yourself getting into tech and, and yeah. the value that you bring from that history and experience? Yeah, there's some listening who may argue with that, uh, <laughs> my tech prowess. But uh, I actually started in journalism, uh, but found myself quickly uh, at, uh, at America Online in 96. Um, and frankly, for lack of uh, technical resources, I sort of taught myself the proprietary programming language that AOL had in order to take the content that I wanted to build and the uh, in the product containers I wanted to put them in mm -hmm. and sort of just taught myself in some ways to be a bit of a developer, a bit of a product manager in order to get uh, the consumer experiences I wanted out to the customers. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a bit of bootstrapping. It was also a bit of uh, I didn't know what I didn't know, so I just did it. Um, and, uh, and AOL was a wonderful place to be able to experiment like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the time there was, I was, uh, in local and then I was in, uh, uh, social and mobile, <laughs> those three spaces. <laughs> the my three big there. ones. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they turned out to be the big ones. And looking back, we called a community, not social at the time, but yeah. Um, that was a great experience. And, um, uh, 
uh, try to keep my hands in technology as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes my staff or people I work with are kind of look at me askance. Why, you know, why you're supposed to be an executive? Why are you Why are you <laughs> trying to write code? Um, I just like to stay close to things. Um, I thought you were going to get called out for referencing the Atari Twenty Six Hundred or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Well, I won't. I won't go into BBSing. That's. Uh, I would get called out for that, but that that's actually part of my early career. But we'll skip over that one. Well, let's. Yeah, let's talk, Rick, about how that translates into your current role in product innovation. Yeah. Now, with a tech company, software company, product manufacturers, I think you can understand where innovation comes in. What about with an association like AARP? Yeah, so uh, ARP uh, has has long uh, been an innovator without uh, kind of being called out as an innovator. Mm-hmm. A lot of things they've done for uh, for consumers in terms of advocacy, in terms of services and the products that they offer, never existed before. Mm-hmm. And uh, for sixty years now, ARP has been recognized for doing that. Um, a few years ago, however, they decided to create um, an innovation lab. Um, with a specific focus on uh, creating new products and potentially new revenue streams um, for the for the association, um, and uh, the focus there is, uh, well, as I mentioned, it's to is to create new products, and there's various ways that we do it. Um, I should say I came into the innovation lab 11 months ago, so I'm fairly new, uh, but the innovation lab is also fairly new. And there's sort of three tenets to it. Uh, one of them is um, a, a discipline area uh, that follows um, a design thinking methodology to help the organization think through different problems that, that they have or uh, use cases and help different parts of the organization solve those problems. Another element of uh, the innovation lab is our, um, our working with startups. We do pitch competitions around the country. And, uh, some of those startups become part of our accelerator program inside of uh, Innovation Lab. And then some of those startups uh, may work with us, my team, to help build original products. Um, but my team, which is the product development team inside of the Innovation Lab, is specifically focused on uh, coming up with new ideas, uh, testing them with consumers, building early prototypes, testing them again with consumers, going through that process. Mm-hmm. And very quickly, within a matter of, you know, I'm trying to accelerate it, really, uh, <laughs> in a matter of a few months, get a pilot product out in front of consumers. Yeah. And we've done that. And we're doing that. Um, we've got uh, we've got four products out there now. I've got um, uh, probably six in the hopper. Um, and uh, part of the way we're doing that is we're a bit of a microcosm. I have, I have uh, some product managers on the team. I have some developers. I've got designers. So... Um, our focus is to uh, look at our audience, try to find unmet needs, find problems uh, that need to be solved, and come up with original solutions. So that's the the what, yeah. so to speak, Rick. What about the why? Um, when when you hear uh, a keyword like accessibility, I think each and every one of us has either a personal or at least a an individualized. Uh, understanding or expectation of what that means. Accessibility in AARP may not be an obvious connection. So what, what's the nexus in your mind? Yeah, so what we try to do is provide solutions, whether they're technology solutions or product solutions or services uh, 
that allow you to age as you uh, as you want to age in the best way that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be something that addresses an accessibility issue. Um, for instance, uh, you know, just because you're, say, 70 years old, it doesn't mean you're not still interested in relationships. Um, so we think about people um, as, uh, as individuals and we think of them not as categorized as, oh, you have an accessibility issue. Instead, um, we think of them as uh, finding ways to provide solutions that kind of make uh, the technology invisible. So rather than, I can't really give a specific example, but let's say um, someone who has difficulty with, uh, with walking or getting around. You know, we're looking at and thinking about ways to provide simpler solutions for people to do that who have accessibility issues in terms of mobility without it calling out to the world, oh, I have an accessibility issue. So what I want to do is find solutions to those kinds of problems, whether it's people of hearing impairment or whether it's people who have uh, early onset dementia and can't recognize people uh, who they otherwise would and find solutions that disappear and become, as they say, indistinguishable from magic. That's the <laughs> ideal. Uh, th- and, but also solves or addresses these, these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not sort of calling out or, or, or highlighting to anyone else looking in from the outside that, oh, you have a problem, that's why you need that X, that, that cane or that walker. Um, we're looking at ways to uh, provide new thinking around those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, people who are, who are aging today, um, you know, some, some of the stats I could throw at you are like, uh, you know, every second two people are celebrating their 60th birthday. Um, you know, every day 10,000 people turn 65. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and another one that kind of blows people away is, uh, you know, the fastest growing segment in the country is people over 85. Can you repeat that one more? (laughs) The fastest growing segment in the country is people 85 plus. Yeah, that seems illogical. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I'll throw one more at you. Uh, People over 50 in the U.S. generate $7.6 trillion annually. All right, there's a market opportunity, right? So, exactly. And entrepreneurs, if you look at it, Average entrepreneurs uh, are over, you know, half of the U.S. entrepreneurs, sorry, in the U.S. are over 45. So uh, you take that and you take this giant market and you take uh, the market and you look at these folks. um, Of course, you can't generalize from 50 to 5. There are different segments within there. But a lot of these, a lot of folks who are over 50 now are much savvier technologically than they were, you know, 20 years ago. You have to take that into consideration when you're talking about developing products and marketing products to them. So my thought is um, uh, to try to get VCs, venture capitalists, entrepreneurs uh, focused on this segment, not just just because there's uh, uh, a financial opportunity, which there obviously is an enormous opportunity for for startups and for for VCs to have a win on the other side. but there's a, there's huge demand, um, and uh, part of what I try to do on the side is to when I work when I talk with startups when I work with startups, 
try to get them interested in thinking about this space because mm-hmm. it is so important and, and frankly, so large. Yeah. Yeah. So you are CES veteran, both yep. immediate past, right? The Correct. 2019 yep. show That's and right. a bit longer ago. Oh, I'll, yeah. I won't 20 put a years date. ago, maybe? Okay. You can put a date on it if you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. um, can you talk about the opportunities you see at, I'll call it the new CES, but, but CES 2019 and how the tech space has evolved to show that virtually every company is or needs to be a tech company these days. Accessibility is one marketplace where I think that really shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think today so many so many uh, problems and are solved with technology. Um, in fact, it's hard to find outside of uh, perhaps services um, that are not solved with some sort of technology. Mm-hmm. And aside from that, so much technology is accessible today that where where it wasn't say twenty years ago in ways you know that it is today. Um, uh, one per you know one developer can take uh, can can develop um, some you know basic artificial intelligence and apply it to to a product to do some really incredible things. Mm-hmm. Um, we took uh, we took three and a half weeks in, uh, last year at the at the lab to develop an augmented reality application to both demonstrate the technology and also uh, promote frankly our our products. Uh, on an app. And so uh, there's a lot of uh, buzzword technology, a couple I just mentioned there, <laughs> augmented reality, AI, and so on. Uh, and there's lots of others that are, are just available. So um, the the bar has been lower in terms of, uh, you know, the, the threshold. Uh, get my cliches right. The, uh, um, it's, the, easier, it's easier to uh, take advantage of the technologies that are available today than ever. And it's almost like um, if you're not using it, there's no excuse not to be using it, in mm-hmm. my opinion, using a technology that is available available to you to, to solve various problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, if I, if I see uh, you know, a completely analog company, I, uh, I'm curious as to, um, as to why. Um, uh, because so, so many things can be achieved and, and solved with technology today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can't, you know, aside from maybe, I don't know, paper production, I can't think of many um, segments that are have not been touched or dramatically improved uh, or evolved by, by technology. Um, certainly in the last uh, decade, it's accelerated tremendously. Yeah. Rick Robinson is Vice President of Product Innovation with AARP. Rick, let's keep this conversation going, all right? We'll see you in Las Vegas, CES 2020. Yeah, sounds great. All right, coming up next time on CES Tech Talk, we are addressing C-Space at CES. If you haven't been, this is the spot where CMOs, content creators, Hollywood, the ad industry, media, they all convene. Leaders from all of these segments are in C-Space, discussing and investigating and diving into disruptive trends in those industries. Now, here at CTA, we're projecting that U.S. consumer spending on software and services, so think something like streaming services, is going to enjoy roughly 14% growth in 2019 alone. This is an area ripe for opportunity. So we are having an in-depth conversation with iHeartRadio. Hey, we want you to be CES ready. 
you can subscribe to this CES Tech Talk podcast so you won't miss any episodes as you're gearing up for CES 2020. Speaking of, the show is January 7th through the 10th in Las Vegas. The information you need to get yourself ready, the details, the schedules, etc., all available at ces.tech. As always, none of this is possible without our true stars, our executive producer, Tina Anthony, and our senior studio engineer, John Lindsay. You all are the best in the business. I'm Tyler Suters. Let's talk tech again soon.